You're listening to an iGroom Hub podcast for dog groomers. iGroom Hub is an online learning platform for groomers of all levels. Sit back, relax, and enjoy what iGroom Hub Media has to offer. Welcome to another episode of iGroom Hub Media Podcast. We are in episode 15 now. If you want to keep listening to our older episodes, just head to www.igroomhub.com.au forward slash media. But with us today, we've got Natalie West, co-founder. Hi again, Tay. How are you going? Good, good. We love having you on. Oh, I, the podcast. I love being on. It's really, it's great fun just sharing some information. I just wish my voice would carry a little bit better. <laughs> Nat and technology and her voice, just it, it. don't like it. No. I have to have her voice up all the way. So <laughs> bear with us. I've also put a giant hole in my lip. So if I sound a little bit funnier, Ouch. that's why. Bear with me. I have a swollen lip. But in today's episode, we are going to talk about handling emotions, Everything around that type of energy when it comes to grooming, because I feel like it's a very big thing, especially at this time of year, given that we're in October, November, December, January time frame for us. If you're a seasonal groomer, you'll know that it's just mental this time of year. Um, But what I've done is I've pulled some audio from a video that Nat's recorded that is available for our iGroom Hub members that I thought would mush in really well with this episode. It's all about handling. She talks about a goat. Why not? Um, <laughs> goats are great. Goats are great, apparently. <laughs> um, so we're going to play through that really nice and juicy and then head on with it. Hi, Nat from Mike Room Hub here. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about handling. And before you switch off, uh, I really want to go right back to the very start, the very um, moment that we um, actually decided that we wanted to join the grooming industry. And when I first joined the grooming industry, my trainer said to me, she said, Nat, 80% of what we do is handling. And I went, yep, that's cool. Pretty sure I can learn the 20% that is the technical side. I had no idea at that time how much the handling actually meant to grooming and what it what it really involved. So I'm sure we've all had experiences where someone, when you're in a, a learning environment with a dog and you're perhaps doing the nails and you cannot control the dog and the dog's fidgeting on you, they're all fussy and jumping about the place, a trainer will come over and settle the dog down and do the nails really systematically and just get the job done. That is the magic of handling. And when we talk about handling, it's, it, it's, it's not a scientific thing. We can't actually measure the learning of handling because it really is an organic, a holistic and also a spiritual sense about how you move and how you conduct yourself around a dog. I remember uh, back in the day when I was eight years old, I had a little goat. We had a, a little menagerie actually, so we had lots of um, farm animals and we got given a goat and this goat was, um, the lady said to me, I was only eight and she said, I'm giving you my special goat. I can't care for my goat anymore, but this goat is very special. It's special to me and you'll know how special it is when you get to know her. And I thought, oh great, I've got a magical goat. This is great. This is going to be fantastic. Um, I remember when we got the goat, the goat was uh, not eating. She was um, upset. She was bleating all the time. Uh, We ended up ringing the owner and saying, you know, we can't settle her. She's not eating. She's really sad and uh, she doesn't seem to be herself. And I remember mum said to me, she said, why don't you just go and sit with her? And so what I did for a whole day, she was tethered on a chain and she had access to food and water and lots of lush grass. Um, This is growing up in Ballarat, so the grass is pretty cold. I think it was in winter. And I remember sitting out there in the bleak weather with this goat for a whole day and gradually she got closer and closer and closer to me. 
And it was really just um, a, a, an amazing uh, sense of trust. This goat was looking at me because she needed me and I didn't know that I needed her, but she wanted to connect with me. She wanted to have some sort of contact with me so she felt safe and so that she knew that she was in an environment where she wasn't going to be scared. So um, hour by hour, the hours ticked by and she came closer and closer. The, the look in her eye was... Um, fear at the start but it had it was fear with meaning and it sounds really crazy to say that but I just I, I really want to talk about that moment because that's a really intrinsic moment for not just me and the goat back in the day but for how we actually work with our dogs when we're grooming. So the story ended up that we became great mates, the goat and I, called Rosa, and we um, we used to go everywhere together. I would wake up in the morning, I couldn't wait to go down and see, you know, um, Rosa in the paddock, and I would be in charge of milking her. So at eight or nine years of age, I was milking this beautiful goat, and we had a really wonderful relationship. And it's all because I gave the goat time, space, and I listened to what she was saying. And that sounds really naff and a little bit naive but it was a really deep spiritual moment and that moment has stayed with me for life and I knew early on that I had a connection with animals and I'm sure that you do too there is um there is a real <laughs> there's a real connection that we have with our animals when we're grooming them and we wouldn't be doing this job if we didn't and a lot of people bypass that and I think even sometimes a lot of people harden themselves to that because we desensitize to a lot of the things that the dogs are saying because we're in a routine of where we have to get these dogs done and have to get them finished and there's quite often a lot of pressure on us isn't there to get the, the job done but I want to bring us back to the very uh, reason why we're connecting with these animals. So when we are present and when we've got time to actually sit and listen to these dogs, this is where the magic happens. So someone else might be really struggling with a dog and you can see that there is, you know, there's struggle in the dog's eyes, there's struggle in the groomer's eyes. It's that time where someone needs to step in and say, hey, actually I can help here. Or why don't you pop that dog down and we'll have a little reset. So handling happens a long time before we even get our hands on the dog. Dogs have got an innate sense. Apparently, they can actually measure the distance of our pupils to see how friendly we are or if we're a threat. You know, the dogs are just so clever at being able to read our energy, to read our mood, to read our signals. They are predisposed to pleasing us. And I think that that is um, part of their charm, that they know how to read us so well. We're left in the dark sometimes when it comes to being able to read the animals in return. And that can be really sad because they work really hard at communicating. And although they can't speak, everything that they do is communication. Every every way they move, everything they, um, the way they hold their head or their paw or their leg or how they shy away from you, it's all uh, really non-verbal communication. So there is magic in that. It's not something that can be measured. When we're talking about handling, you can only get this experience. You can only handle a dog really well after about three or four months of continuous handling. So after three or four months of continuous handling, you'll, you'll lose the battle. Most of it before when you start grooming is a bit of a battle, isn't it? You're, you're battling to hold on to them. You're battling to um, you know, get the, the muscle memory in your hands. You're battling to read the dogs or to, to master your craft. And at about the three, four, could be six months, something magical happens. And I've spoken about this many times, but it is true. And it really is a magical moment when you can actually reach the dog and then go towards handling them in a respectful way. So it's a connection. We want to connect with the dogs. We want to be great leaders for our dogs. And we want to be able to read those tiny little signs that really mean so much to the dog and quite often are just overlooked by us. 
So when we talk about handling a dog, and before we even put the tools in our hands, it's a nice idea just to run your hands all the way over the dog and do this, you know, it might be a dog that you do every two weeks, but you just don't know what's going on with them. You don't know, you know, what, what has happened to them. I know um, for a fact sometimes, and I've taken Lolly to the vets and they've said, oh, you know, there's a little bit of a, a lump here on the neck. Did you notice that? And I went, oh my God, no, I didn't. L let me feel that. <laughs> so, you know, it, it can, these, we miss lots, even as pet owners, we miss lots. And so this is a really unique time for the dog to be able able to say oh thank god you've got your hands on me i'm going to show you exactly where i'm hurting and why well not so much why they can't tell you the why but they can say you know where they're hurting and that's um up to us as good handlers to know what where the dog is sensitive not only does that um, enable us to tell the owners and we can actually directly say to the owner do you know what your dog just would not let me touch his front right leg for some reason he was jumping and he didn't like it he didn't like me touching it um, we can actually let the owners know so that they can do some further investigation. But it's also um, a, a respectful thing. If you know early on that the dog has an injury, you can work around that. So you won't actually you know, ask them to do more than what they're capable of. It's a lovely, um, this is Lolly, she's my dog and she's very comfortable being touched. She's comfortable being touched by most people. But um, there's a lot that we can learn by looking into their eyes and, and giving them a really good feel. But remember when you are handling these dogs that it is their time on the table. They might only come into you every six weeks, every six months, every year. But it is really that time where it's um, we are fine-tuned professionals and we should be able to pick up things that uh, mean a lot to the dog. So next time you have a dog on the table, be present, be calm. And, you know, lots of people say to me when I'm grooming, oh, gee, Nat, you're quiet. I'm actually working really hard. I'm working hard to, uh, to read the dog. I'm working hard for the dog to understand that I am actually in control and that I'm not going to be doing anything that is harmful or frightening for the dog. I'm actually... Um, also equally trying to work out where the respect lies so dogs are very good at giving us respect and we are you know in return it's nice to be able to offer that respect back to them moving a dog quickly or suddenly on a table can be fright like it can give them fright or fear uh, and slow movements work the best with these dogs you know we we know the how to how to move around a dryer as well if the dryer is too powerful then we just go to a handheld dryer so there's loads and loads and loads of things we can do um, before we um, just to settle the dogs on the table and get them used to being touched and held you know puppies will look at you with big eyes going oh what's going on I don't know what's going on here what am I supposed to do and it's up to us to be able to guide them through and really um, help them enjoy the grooming process and some dogs as you can see like Lol Lol's a classic example she's we've got this little thing going where if she's good for me I'm good to her so there is a favorite treat that she likes and I know that she hates having her face touched so if I get a little brush like this, this is your little brush lol, and I start to brush out the face, she gets fussy and she just throws her head back. She doesn't, she doesn't let me do it. I don't know how I do her eyebrows at times because she's just a little minx and doesn't like it. But I say to her, okay lol, if you sit really still, I'm going to give you a lolly and she knows what that means. And so she knows that she'll get a little treat and quite often she's much better behaved when she knows that she's going to be rewarded. So it could be, um, you know, that you they're rewarded with a pat or a cuddle or a treat but working out what makes them tick 
and how to handle these dogs is really important. And I said, I mentioned it's very hard to measure. It's not a science that I can actually explain to you, but it comes through muscle memory. It comes through touch and warmth and love and respect and a deep connection with these beautiful animals that let us do so much to them. Uh, and sometimes, you know, even if they, they're not happy about it, they'll still let us do it. And to me, that's quite remarkable. So it's a privilege to groom. It's a privilege to handle these dogs. And um, next time you're grooming, take some time, take a deep breath and just really focus on the reason why you came into the industry to start with. You're obviously searching for some sort of connection. You're obviously wanting to give back to these dogs as well. And I think when we're busy and we're stressed, we can lose sight of that. So never lose sight of the reason why you got into grooming. I don't know about you, Nat, but I really love listening to that. Especially about your goat. I didn't know you had a goat. <laughs> well, my childhood antics. I actually grew up on a menagerie, so it was great fun. What's a menagerie? Uh, loads of different types of animals. Like so, a farm? Yeah, a little mini farm. A tiny, <laughs> tiny mini farm. But yeah, it was great. It was really good. Yeah. And it really did set me up for, uh, you know, really enjoying a career in dog grooming. So Mine was just by luck. <laughs> luck and chance? Luck and chance. It's like, careful what you wish for, isn't it? <laughs> now you're stuck with me. <laughs> but we're going to talk about, like I mentioned at the start, emotions and handling and energy and all those types of things that are involved so in So juicy. Grooming. Yeah, it's so juicy. And you don't know you're feeling it until you're feeling it. Or someone points it out. Yeah, like, mm, excuse me, do you need to like calm down or put the dog down and... Hmm do all that type of stuff. So when it comes to, we're going to start with maybe overhandling. So many different dogs come into our salons that we have um, a great deal of difficulty managing. And sometimes even before they get into our care, we can have really strong senses of anxiety. Like if you're really dreading a dog coming through, you might have a sleepless night the night before or you don't want to talk to the owner or there's some sort of conflict or confrontation that was unresolved and that can make you feel edgy right from the start. These dogs are so good at picking that up and carrying that vibe right through the groom. Yeah, I feel like they're doing it a lot more now because owners are home more. Yeah, totally. Um, So they're around people more than what they're used to. I bet everyone out there is going, yep. My dogs are like that. They've forgotten how to stand on a table. They've forgotten how to react. They've forgotten that they're going to be okay and that the owners will come back for them. My own Stormy was the exact same. Yeah. He hasn't had a competition in almost two years and I put him on the table and he's like, I'm going to lie down now. It's like, <laughs> um, that's not your job. Stand up. <laughs> I have a feeling that most dogs have not heard the word no over COVID lockdown. <laughs> My mouth hasn't heard the word no with the amount of food that I eat. <laughs> So discipline has gone out the window and it's up to us to really readjust and make sure that these dogs are comfortable in our care. And really the only way we can really truly do that is to be present and to be ready to take on whatever, you know, life throws us in the grooming room. Don't you reckon? Yeah, especially given the time of year, I said at the beginning, where in October, November, December, January timeframe is bonkers for us. We'll get the Christmas rush, we'll get the... People that only get their dogs groomed every six months, unfortunately, no matter how much education you give these people, that's just their norm. Unfortunately, there's dogs' norm, so Mm. their handling will be different to how you handle a dog that's come in every six to eight weeks. Absolutely, it will. And and even, um, Tay, we know that we have to set ourselves up for success as well. Yes. So we know these dogs are coming in and we know it's going to be super busy, but we 
also know that Tay and I have made a pact. Every time we finish a dog, <laughs> we, what do we do? We drink water. So there was this day, <laughs> I'm driving home and I get home and there's a message from Nat saying, we didn't drink any water. Ah! I was like. <laughs> I was so dehydrated. I was like, I wonder why my mouth was dry. And we all know it when we're really busy, we don't drink any water. So in between every dog, before we bring another dog on the table, we have to drink Two big gulps of water. And we've made a pact and it's really working. It's working. (laughs) Only we have to pee. Well, I'm only 29, so I'm fine. (laughs) I haven't had any kids and I still have to pee. What's going on there? (laughs) Too much information. But we know that we have to keep ourselves centred as well. So it's not only, um, you know, looking after ourselves – there's, there's lots of things we can do physically, but I'm, I'm really interested in the spiritual way we groom. And, you know, it sounds a little bit naff, but it really does go hand in hand with grooming. I know when I'm doing a puppy, I've got such full concentration on that dog and I'm very gentle and I try and empty my mind of anything else that is around me and focus on the dog. And I think that that's really key to being a good handler. Yeah. I think when you're centred and you're still and you're peaceful, then you can move through these dogs a lot faster and more gently um, with them as well and get a better result. I feel like kindness with dogs goes further than frustration. Oh, absolutely. There are some dogs that just need that firm tone, (laughs) but not aggression. It's a firmer tone to get them through. But Mm. I always start with kind tone, Mm. even gentle emotion before anything else. totally. And if you can imagine yourself, if you are completely overwhelmed and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at us through the eyes of the dog, you're out of your environment for a, a long time. You know, you might not have been in a car for a very long time and you're coming to the groomers. You're being left in a cage because you can't have contact with someone who's taking care of you. So they're two really big triggers for dogs. So already they are full of fear or anxiety. And I don't know if you've ever been fearful or you've ever had um, – some form of anxiety, it takes over your whole mind and you can't actually hear people talking to you. And that's a real uh, true response that we see in our dogs that are fearful. And it's up to us to be able to create a space where they are stress-free mm-hmm. and also so that um, you know we can really concentrate on them and give them the, the best attention that we can. I feel like talking to a dog helps as well as the handling. So you can't just Do you? reach in, grab a dog out of a cage, plonk it on the table, groom it away, throw it in the bath, do that, dry it and not tell it what what's happening. Yeah. If yeah. I'm in a situation, like if I go to the dentist, I don't like the dentist and he's about to stick a needle in my gum, if I have these weird glasses on, a bright light in my face, which is almost like the dogs have a noose around their neck, yeah. all these lights, all these dogs barking around and we're shoving things near their face, on their body, it's vibrating, it's weird. They don't know what's going on but if my dentist comes in and so I'm about to prick your gum with a needle or hurt for 30 seconds... <laughs> Okay, go. So I'm prepared. We've got that rationale and we're really lucky and that's what we have to try and translate, isn't it? And a spook dog, if you go to put a clipper on them straight away, with like our hands are sometimes bigger than these poor little dogs. Overhandling. We had a puppy in today that was teeny, teeny, tiny and it was matted, coat change, all that stuff. Yep. And what the groomer was doing is she just had her clippers in her hand but she stuck her index finger out and just stroked the dog and then put the clippers on. Just to get that initial twitch reaction, okay, that's not that bad. And that touch sensation. Without it actually being a sharp object. Yeah, good Which idea. I feel like that and talking before the actual grooming can mm. help with these young or matted dogs. There's two schools of thought for that, for that um, Tay, for me, because sometimes I feel as groomers, we actually 
try and calm the dog down by calming ourselves down. Mm. And really, we should have done the work on ourselves before we get to the dog. So if we're not calm and peaceful and we're saying, it's okay, mate, it's okay, it's all right, you'll be okay, you'll be okay, I don't have a problem with that. But when we keep saying that on the road... overdo it. Yeah, it's kind of overhandling. And even though your voice is not touching the dog, it is in some way, isn't it? And that is a form of overhandling. Certainly, you know, lots of hands near a dog is overhandling. Um, You know, if if you're using a muzzle and perhaps um, some other restraining uh, device, that's overhandling as well. And also spinning dogs is an overhandling thing too. So if we can limit those things, then we will have a much better relationship with our dogs going forward. Yeah, and then you can be too handsy. So even though you're being gentle, yep. you can also be too handsy. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you've got big hands and there's teeny tiny little like Yorkie and then you <laughs> ask for help and then there's more hands. That's it's being lo- too handsy. It's a good thing we've got magic wands, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I really love your scenario about the dentist and I'm sure that everyone can probably <laughs> well, concur with more, that. I would be more relaxed if they told me what's happening. Yeah. Like I went to an amusement – this is totally off topic. I went to an amusement park and I'm hanging from this pole and it's a giant drop slide. So it's a 90-degree drop into a slide. Okay, one word, why? Oh, it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. And he goes – and I was a little bit bit scared. And he goes, I'm going to count to three and on the count of three you let go. It was like something. And he goes, one, and then pushes me down. Oh. (laughs) And I'm like, oh. It's like mum ripping a Band-Aid off. Oh, yeah. Squeezing something. Oh, let's take two seconds. One, two. But that's just what I mean. Like you, yeah, you just right. ease them into it rather than just going, okay, we're done. <laughs> yep. Type yep, thing. Yep, yep, yep. I feel like it's nicer, especially You'll, for the younger dogs. Would aren't. you have enjoyed the experience more if you had have got to three and he released the button? Or I do you have think- no idea. <laughs> I still went up a second time and did it again. Oh so it's, it's whatever. But <laughs> You're braver than I am. I just hand in heart. I've watched too many, uh, you know, fails on uh, <laughs> Facebook to be ever going on a ride ever again. I think. You're married to a daredevil. It's totally fine. <laughs> so a couple of ways we can really bring ourselves into a room and centre ourselves is one, by our breathing. Mm-hmm. So if we can regulate our breathing, that's great. If we can empty our head and just really concentrate on the dog and, and I guess give the dog the space that it needs as well. Some dogs need a lot more time and a lot more space and this can be very tricky to manage in a grooming setting because we are often on the clock Mm -hmm. um, and often we don't even know what's walking through the door. It could be a new client and the client is groomer hopping uh, and has had, you know, absolutely dreadful time with every other groomer because, uh, you know, that dog is very difficult to do. So, you know, at times we do have to be magicians but we do have always, always have to be in control of ourselves when we're handling these dogs and and I guess that's the key topic of today is just to get you to think about um, why you are grooming, get you to think about what you enjoy about grooming and to think about if you could actually handle these dogs better in the future. Yeah, and don't have the anxiety of fearing that you don't, you can't say no. If okay. you physically can't do something, that means you're anxi- like you feel like you can't accomplish something, a specific breed or mm-hmm. a temperament or something along those lines that would affect your emotions and affect the handling of that situation. Mm. Your anxiety of thinking you can't say no to that person will then amplify all those other things when it's okay to say no. 
Exactly, exactly. And that's great. And it's a great way to release that tension, isn't it? So yeah. th- there you've, you've got a great example of how you can actually get tension and remove the scenario altogether and just say, I'm sorry, I'm actually, I actually can't do your dog today. Yeah. Or you might have got a bite early on in the day. You know, sometimes you need to call the day off. It, it can affect you I've that much. I've had those nasty ones that I've just gone, and I'm pretty yeah, tough. You are. And You're I'm extremely like, tough. Mm, nah. Or something well, might not. have happened at home. Mm-hmm. Like I had a personal, like a family dog pass away halfway through a shift. Yeah, all over. Uh, uh, not all over Red Rover. <laughs> I'm not yeah. there anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? Life goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And it's okay to say like, okay, no, nah, I can't. Like mm. it, it might wreck up your schedule, which might bring anxiety to it as well, but you can't run yourself to the ground. If you run yourself to the ground, then all these emotions will then amplify what we've just spoken about as well. So I, I wonder then when you do have those dogs that are really – that really highly ang- they make you really anxious before they even come in. I wonder, um, you know, what some tips would be for for that scenario. I would, if you work with other people, groom them with another person so you I can agree. feed off that person's energy, not the dog's energy. Yeah. If you are not in that situation, then ask the owner to stay, and then you can reassure the owner. Look, this is how your dog is acting. This is why I can't do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then. Or break that groom into half. Oh, yeah. Or break the groom into two steps. So mm. pre-clip bath. They might not like the dryer. Time it when there's a nicer-ish day or when the dog can be inside warm and then come back the next day or that afternoon. And all of those scenarios have an extra dollar value to them. And I think that that is, um, you know, it's pain and suffering money, isn't it really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we have to, we always have to equate our time back to the, the dog Lots of dogs are easy to move through they're, and they're great and we love that. But there are some dogs that are really, really, really challenging and they need our time and they need our expertise. Uh, and I hope that you've got success stories that where you've been able to turn dogs around and, and had real wins with them. We would love to hear those stories because um, I, I think that's just such a great breakthrough. If you can actually um, work out how to work with a dog and how to really get them over the line comfortably, that is um, that is better than winning any gold medal or any grooming competition in my mind. I think if we can do that and we can reach these dogs, then we are really, really doing our job. Yeah. So if you do have anything, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, put it in our social media or you can shoot me an email or a private message if you don't want to put your name out there and I can just share it anonymously. Yeah. Um, and if you're brave enough, you can come on to the microphone. Yeah, if you want to do an episode with me, just do it. Like, I'm fun, I think. Um, you can just shoot. <laughs> it's easy. Laughing at it's me. great fun. It is fun. You don't have to physically come in and have these big microphones in your face. We can do it over phone or Zoom or whatever. But if you've got a story that you want to tell, just tell me. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's fun. We'd Everybody, love to share it. Yeah, everyone has. If you or if you have a topic or anything like that. But what's one thing we need to grab from this episode is checking your emotions a level. You're happy. You're content, mm-hmm. or at least even to be able to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Find that point. Don't get past the point of, oh, I've just gone over that anxiety or over that anger of whatever I'm doing. So you're doing a really aggressive dog. They can get our blood boiling if they're so aggressive and they just want to eat your nose. Like they yep. can make you angry. We're only human. Mm-hmm. But try and find that trigger point before you get past that point. Identify it. Yeah, identify and- that point before. Tools down, walk around the block, get a glass of water, check your breathing. Yeah. Find all those, if you are finding that you're constantly feeling this way every day going into work or it might be every Saturday or every Monday, yep. you might have to reevaluate how you are going about 
your job, maybe it is taking every second Monday off or it is breaking your shift into half so you're only working half day on these particular days or something that's triggering your anxiety like on a Saturday. Everyone's going out and having a great time on a Saturday and you're at work, which yeah. most of us groomers are usually on in the December time. We're like, well, my friends are having fun and I'm at work on a Saturday. Or you can't keep your eyes open when you, you do go out. Or you can't keep your eyes open. <laughs> so just find, don't, don't wear yourselves out and still enjoy what you're doing. I couldn't agree more. It's been great talking to you about handling, Tay. I love handling. Um, and I hope that um, everyone has enjoyed listening to it. But I hope that, um, you know, as groomers, we can always be better. Yeah, and I think we can probably do another episode because we could talk about handling for hours and hours on end. But We need, we need a caller. Yeah, <laughs> someone call in. We're not on live radio now. We can't have someone call in. I'd love a caller. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, we can um, do another episode going more in depth into handling and yeah. See how we go. Yeah. All right, terrific. Thanks, Tay. Thanks, Nat. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more episodes, head to www.igrimhub.com.au forward slash media and if you have any questions or a topic that you want to cover, shoot me an email at media at igrimhub.com.au. And thanks for listening. 